You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, joined by the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. And we're here on a Sunday night, and the Bucks have just done what they've done for the last seven weeks. They just uh, keep on rattling off wins. They beat Memphis and then the Cavs in a back-to-back. But they're kind of outside of the winning streak, which is now at 18. There's a bit to talk about Giannis in the ultimate revenge game against Bruno uh, on, on Friday night. And then uh, the Eric Bledsoe injury as well. It was kind of a... The games, I would say, were uninspiring wins, but there's a bit to talk about there. And Frank, we haven't spoke since before the Pelicans game. So how are you doing? I'm good. I had my uh, uh, my work trip to Vegas, which was pretty uninspiring in the grand scheme of things. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, I, got, and I was kind of sick the last couple of days, but feeling better. Uh, and, uh, I, I was telling you, I, I'm actually, we're recording this a little bit later than expected because I was watching, uh, the season and maybe series finale of Watchmen on HBO with some friends and, uh, I kind of lost track of time. So you were, you were waiting for me to finish, but, um, if anybody, uh, has not seen the show, I highly recommend it. Probably my favorite show I've seen this year. So I don't regret it, Ken. I don't regret, uh, you know, not valuing your time and, I, I do wish I had uh, mentioned to you that I was running late, but, uh, you know, sometimes uh, Prestige TV just starts to take precedence over podcasting for a little bit. So glad we're back together. Glad the Bucks didn't have the audacity to lose a game while, uh, while we were apart uh, over those three games. And uh, yeah, I mean, um, you know, just, uh, I don't, I don't want to say it's been rinse and repeat for the last seven weeks, but obviously a lot of the themes that, that we've been talking about have, kind of been recurring at least in terms of what we're seeing on the court which is a, a very nice uh, it's nice to be so predictable uh nice to not really have as much drama to discuss although obviously uh, a little bit of a curveball with the uh, injury to uh uh Eric Bledsoe on Friday and, and we'll talk a little bit about kind of what the what the impact of that is but um but yeah you know Bucks keep winning and uh game here on Monday night against the Mavericks and obviously Otherwise, all eyes will be on Thursday night's matchup with the Lakers in Milwaukee, uh, you know, a game that I think people are going to be super excited about. And, um, you know, uh, we'll, we'll be in the national spotlight in a way that probably not enough <laughs> Bucks games have been uh, so far as zero. You know, last time they played the Clippers, it's not even on national TV. So um, so I think lots of uh, a lot of people may be getting their first look at the Bucks, you know, sort of like casual non-Bucks fans probably. Yeah, I, I don't know. We, just before we started recording, I, I mentioned this to you, but uh, from these two games against Memphis and Cleveland, I don't know how much there is to sort of go back on. I, I think just, and I, I think all eyes, as you said, are pointed to the week ahead and, and we'll get to the Dallas game uh, a little bit later on. And obviously, Luca looks like he's going to be out for that one or he is out, uh, according to the latest injury report there. So all of a sudden, <laughs> that big uh, game uh, loses a bit uh, of the intrigue there as well. But yeah, this Memphis game was interesting, and we know that Giannis missed the game against New Orleans, and it's kind of weird because I remember last time the backs, uh, the Bucks had that back-to-back a few weeks back. We spoke about the possibility of Giannis missing one of those games, and I thought, well, okay, he's missed this game against the Pelicans. They were fine. Uh, John Morant's not playing for the Grizzlies. This might be one that he missed. Uh, reading this story from uh, our friend Eric over at The Athletic with the uh, about Giannis and wanting to get their revenge on Bruno for the for the loss to Brazil in the World Cup, uh, you quickly figured out that this was a game that Giannis was just not going to miss, and it's really a, it's a strange story. I, I I was really shocked. I was driving home from uh, covering the Sydney Kings game, Andrew Bogut over here, and Eric texted me. He was about to catch his flight from 
uh, from Memphis. And he goes, man, I've got a really weird Giannis story coming out tomorrow. <laughs> and I, I would not have predicted that that was it. And, you know, funnily enough, outside of this, and this is, I'm already getting a bit distracted here, but um, the, the first thought I had when I, I he t- sort of hinted at what it was, I was like, holy shit, man, there's been a lot of talk about whether what players will play uh, in the Olympics, will Giannis play in the Olympics, particularly if, uh, you know, the, the Bucks make it all the way to the finals in June. And if he's that caught up in, in that game and what happened at the World Cup and he's poor play, I mean, there's absolutely no question that he's going to be playing in the Olympics. I mean, he's a, it's well, like, I just, if he's like, seriously, like if he's going to get that worked up about uh, a player like that in the, in the national team, I, that performance of the World Cup must be really burning him. Yeah, I mean, too bad he can't play the, uh, you know, head coach of the Greek national team. Um, <laughs> Mike say the best performance for that. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to say, too. I mean, I saw Eric's story. I mean, you know, was, was um, you know, how much in all seriousness was, uh, you know, like, would, would, was he going to sit out this game? And, you know, if not for, for Bruno Caboclo, I don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, you know, Bruno's averaging 10 minutes a game for the, uh, for the Grizzlies this year. So it's not like, you know, there was necessarily even a guarantee that, that he was going to play. Or so play yeah. Play or even a significant number of minutes um, in this game. But um, Hey, you know what? Um, you know, it's like, that, that's like, we, we, you know, the, the kind of Jordan esque, uh, you know, yeah. again, Giannis is 8,000 times better a human being, I think. And, and, you know, just more uh, just unselfish and, you know, just positive as a teammate than Michael Jordan ever was. But, uh, you know, these great athletes, uh, they do have sort of like a killer instinct. They, they can conjure up motivation out of, you know, things that, that you might not otherwise expect it. I mean, that's how you sort of challenge yourself, drive to, to be great. You know, that's why teams so often will play this, like, nobody believes in us mindset. You know, you kind of <laughs> have to invent um, these conflicts maybe at times. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was a funny kind of subtext to, to a game, which obviously the, you know, if you were just kind of watching it, following it, you know, the real headline was, was Jaron Jackson Jr. versus Giannis. And, um, you know, Jackson, you know, he's got that kind of funny little like two handed shot, uh, which he's always had, but he's always been a good shooter. And it was crazy. Just, I mean, he hits nine out of 15 threes, 42 points in this game. Um, and, and it was interesting because I was at a, a work dinner, so I was sort of following on my phone. And then I did not know the I, – I then – I basically knew what was happening in the second quarter, and then I didn't know until the very end of the game when it was over what happened. And so I was – it was strange because I think I would have been extremely frustrated and annoyed watching that game um, because obviously, you know, the Bucks going to the fourth quarter down five. Giannis having foul trouble. I mean, he did have 20 points through three quarters, but – you know, it was certainly a frustrating game for Giannis, a couple of offensive fouls he didn't like. And so for him to come back with 17 points in the fourth quarter and just sort of say, okay, no more of this, um, added a, a degree of drama to a game that, you know, and, and honestly, a, a degree of drama to, uh, you know, this winning streak that we really yeah. haven't seen. And I think that's one of the things that maybe is uh, a little understated, like when people you know, think about this, this winning streak is, I mean, they haven't even really needed luck. Like they have not been like winning these like random, you know, close late games. Like normally you don't win this many games without having that. But you know, Zach Cram from the ringer had a, mm-hmm. had a post today yeah. where he said tweet today that I retweeted. He said, the bucks haven't trailed in the last five <laughs> minutes for a single possession during this eight game winning, 18 game winning streak. I mean, that's remarkable. Like the last five minutes of this game of these games, like, like nothing's been close basically. And again, we've seen some games that got, you know, closer than you wanted, but you know, nothing again, like they've never been playing from behind. And so of course we can make up, you know, stories about, Oh, well this isn't good. Cause they, you know, they're not used to adversity and blah, blah, blah. Right. I mean, look, they're, they're going to have some of those this season. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm not particularly worried about <laughs> worried about that. And, you know, I think we'd be concerned trolling to, try to spin 18, 18 game winning streak and anything, but extremely impressive. But that set to me is, is remarkable. You know, the fact that, you know, in the latter stages of, of 18 straight games, you don't even trail once is, is just crazy. And on Friday, obviously that required a pretty monster takeover from, from Giannis in the fourth quarter, hitting a couple of big threes, just going at the basket, you know, 
obviously had that one huge dunk on, on Bruno where he was chirping at him uh, all the way back up the court and picks up a, a taunting tech, which was kind of funny. Wouldn't have been as funny if they lost the game. But, uh, yeah. but uh, you know, it was, it was uh, definitely a game that um, was a little bit different from, from certainly many others we've seen this streak. Uh, and obviously still one you definitely expected to win given some of the injuries you mentioned. John Moran has been a really, really good rookie. I mean, probably the rookie of the year front runner, I guess. I'm just saying off the top of my head, but um, he's been really impressive in general. Uh, and obviously him getting a rest on Friday night made the Bucks life a little bit easier. But, um, you know, again, credit to them. They lose Bledsoe uh, kind of midway through that game. And, uh, you know, certainly some things didn't go their way, including just, you know, Jaron Jackson. I mean, again, the, the the shooting by him. I mean, he was just, you know, feet weren't set, just flinging the ball at the rim, and they were going in, <laughs> banked one in. I mean, you know, there was a lot of like, okay, this is how you lose a massive winning streak type type stuff uh, in that in that series or in that game. So uh, to come away with a win, I think was you know, again, they have the Bucks have to give us a little bit of variation in how they win games, I guess, right? And Giannis, thirty seven points in twenty seven minutes. Um, it feels like it was both consistent with what he's been doing this month uh i think coming i think coming into saturday's game he was averaging 32 points a game in 28 minutes in december um so again like he doesn't like you know when he played 34 minutes the other night that was like a rarity uh i think that was um the game before for the memphis game so yeah kind of funny just how how these games have been going but you know even when the bucks face a little bit of little little bit of adversity with the blood so injury and trailing going into the fourth um you know they they figure it out and uh uh you know again Giannis is, will be the story but he's been getting a lot of help obviously all season and Chris Middleton in particular playing really really well of late which has obviously been a, a big plus to see especially coming off the injury Today's podcast is brought to you by Casper. The original Casper mattress combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with just the right amount of both sink and bounce. Get $100 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash locked NFL and using locked NBA at the checkout. Terms and conditions apply. If you can't visit Casper right now, you can find this and all other offers from locked on sponsors at lockedonpodcast.com slash offers. Yeah, I mean, we, we've spoke about the fact, and, and I know you've pointed to it a, a number of times, that we're like, okay, yeah, there might be a night against a, a ordinary team that something crazy happens. And I would say, I mean, that third quarter, Bledsoe goes down, uh, there's still 10 minutes left in the third. So that's really, really early in the, yeah. in the second half. And then Giannis picks up, obviously, the fourth foul. And also, you withstand, I mean, you spoke about the nine threes for uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., but seven of them came in the third quarter. Like, you, you withstand seven threes from, from that guy in the third, and they got down by 10, uh, 93-83. And what I really liked, and this was without Giannis on the floor, they settled. They said, okay, yeah, we're down 10, uh, but it's fine. We're not panicking. This guy's obviously going to cool off at some point. And they got it back to 95-90 at the end of the third, and with Giannis coming back on, I was still like, okay, they're in it. They're in a fine spot here. They've with, they've withstood that uh, ridiculous um, outburst from Jaron Jackson Jr. Because remember, the Bucks were only up at halftime because of the the long three from George Hill. So despite getting that uh, huge quarter from Jackson Jr., the it didn't swing the game all that much, even with Bledsoe off and also uh, Giannis. So they did a pretty good job of hanging in there, I thought. And uh, then watching that fourth quarter, this was legitimately what it must have felt like for LeBron fans for the last 15 years or however long he's been playing. Because seriously, uh, it was just watching him go out there and say, yeah, you know, I get it. I'm, I've been kind of frustrated all night. I've been in foul trouble, but we're not going to lose this game. I, I'm going to, I'm going to dunk on everyone. I'm going to get to my spots. I'm going to shoot threes. Uh, that was, that's, that was rare what he's done. And he start, he's doing this uh, almost on a nightly basis now. And it's, it's, it is special to see. And the threes in particular in the fourth quarter, uh, he's not afraid to take them. And he's been making a pretty high percentage. Obviously, the, the, the put the graphic up on, on Fox Sports Wisconsin yesterday that he was up around uh, 46% in December from three. I mean, that's obviously, uh, we're only halfway through the month there, but it's impressive. But in the fourth quarter across the year, he's over 40% from three. Uh, he's shooting them with confidence. And we've monitored this a little bit <laughs> so far this season. But Giannis has played 26 games. Brooke Lopez has paid 25. Giannis has attempted 131 threes at 32.8%. Brooke Lopez has attempted 
120 at 30%. What do you think the odds would have been and that Giannis would at this point have not only a better percentage than Brook, but taken more threes than Brook? And are we going to get to the end of this season? I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you to, to make a real call here. And Giannis is going to attempt more and have a higher percentage than Brook Lopez at the end of the year because that is just absurd to think about. Yeah, I mean, and obviously Brooke is not a super high percentage three-point shooter. He's been in that kind of 35, 36 range the last couple of years. I mean, really, Which is super high for Giannis, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's obviously very high for Giannis. Um, but that's, you know, been since yeah. kind of Brooke became a high-volume guy. I think, to be honest, the the volume stuff is, is almost more surprising to mm-hmm. me. Um, and we talked the other night about, you know, kind of what is the – is there a logical upper bound to how many threes Giannis can, can put up per night? He's at – five even right now at 32.8 percent uh and you know you mentioned the uh, kind of splits by by quarter um i mean it's like it's a good trend first quarters he's shooting 21 percent second quarters 32 percent third third quarters 38 percent fourth quarters 40 percent even so that's that's the trend you would want the direction to uh to go um interestingly his free throws which remain you know a point of obviously frustration he, he hits 10 out of 13 in Memphis and three out of seven uh, against the Cavs. This is his first four in, in his in-game free throw splits, 51% in the first quarter, 53% in the second quarter, 63% in the, in the third quarter, 66% in the fourth quarter. So for some reason, you gotta warm up. Um, he, yeah. Uh, and I think what's, what's most interesting about that is that he's a guy who, when he misses tends to miss short. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's a little interesting to me because I mean, I always think of it, and anybody who's played basketball, you know, when you get tired, and especially as a jump shooter, obviously less applicable from the line, although he's obviously has a long history of, you know, hit shooting short, so often airballed free throws. Um, you always think of like your legs getting tired and then missing stuff short. And so it's, it's very interesting to me that, you know, in games, he, even as he's getting seemingly more tired or normal humans would get more tired. Uh, the fact that his percentage goes up just sort of, I think, speaks to the level of comfort and rhythm that he picks up during a game. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a really interesting trend that, that you know, we see throughout games. And, um, you know, I mean, just his scoring right I mean, he's averaging only 31.1 minutes per game played this year. He's averaging 31.0 points per game. So he's basically exactly a point per minute. And... Um, yeah, it's just remarkable. I mean, his assists have really gone down significantly as the season's worn mm. on, and I'd say largely because he's just able to just score himself. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's just not not passing as much. Obviously, maybe a little bit of a bad luck at times with guys missing shots, but for the most part, um, you know, he's obviously he was always a scorer first, right? I mean, it's not like he was averaging 20 and 8 assists the last couple of years. I mean, he's obviously been in the upper 20s. Uh, Anyway, but you know, now his assist his assist number is, is below what it was a year ago. And I think even if you uh, average it out for minutes, um, you know his his assist per minute numbers are down. And when you can score at the rate he does with the efficiency he does, that's fine. You know, you know, uh, it's because it's just it's just crazy how how effective he's been. And you know, to think about what his scoring number would be, you know, if he was shooting a respectable number from the from the free throw line, right? I mean, you know, he's averaging a little over ten free throws a game, so if he was shooting, you know, 75% rather than 60%, you know, that's a, that's a point and a half a game that you could tack on there, right? So, you know, to, to think that he could be averaging almost 33 points a game right now in 31 minutes, um, it's remarkable. And, and, you know, as much as understandably is made of James Harden scoring this year, uh, you know, you look at like the per minute per possession stuff, um, you know, Giannis is definitely much closer to Harden in terms of scoring rate this year than he was last year. So, you know, I think when a push comes to shove and, you know, James Harden's perpetual prayer, you know, hopes of getting the MVP back, um, you know, if you look at it kind of logically, well, you know, yeah, you're scoring more this year and it's remarkable, but you lost to a guy who is actually getting closer to you in terms of scoring rather than further away. So, yeah, Giannis, the scorer, has just become um, – kind of an otherworldly thing. And obviously the 33% three point shooting right now um, is, is, a, you know, I'd say a big plus because as we've been saying it, you know, he's remained super efficient. Um, and I think last year, you know, when Eric had that story after the loss to Toronto and Giannis sort of talking about the mid range game and watching Kawhi and all that, we saw at times, especially I want to say in the first sort of 
month of the season where it seemed like Giannis was trying to at times work on that mid range stuff. Um, but now with his three ball becoming increasingly useful, um, you know, Giannis is, is progressing more towards this kind of platonic ideal of like, you know, just now he can hit threes <laughs> and, and he can still get to the paint and he's the most lethal paint scorer in the league. Right. I mean, I, I just thought of the, uh, 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 diehard scene where Bruce Willis is on the, uh, on the walkie talkie with Hans Gruber after he gets the, the, the gun from one of his guys. And he says, I have a, now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. And I feel <laughs> yeah. kind of like Giannis now with a three point shot, you know, it's, and, and it's, it's, uh, I forget somebody, I think somebody tweeted, I mean, I apologize. I don't have it in front of me right now. I think somebody, I don't know if it was old resort or who it was. Somebody, uh, somebody tweeted at me like, so at what point do people stop saying, oh, if Giannis gets a three-point shot, yeah. dot, 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 right? Because it's kind of like, okay, he doesn't have a great three-point shot, but, I mean, this is a really viable threat right now. And, again, he's, you know, one cold streak from being in the high 20s again, so I, I hate to act like there's some inevitability around this, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's certainly, I'd say, you know, if you told me he'd be doing this for the season, I think all of us would be thrilled to to say yeah we'll take that <laughs> we'd be thrilled if he was shooting a good volume at 33 percent and still doing everything that uh, that he's doing inside and, and again you I think you saw in these weekend games like the kind of dribble drive hesitation stuff he's doing more as well as that three-point shot becomes more and more viable All right, we spoke about uh, percentages there. We spoke about per 36 uh, production. And I think that is a perfect lead into Chris Milton because uh, this guy, I tweeted about it, Yeah, I think during the, it might have been during the Cavs game after he had, I think he had 19 points in the first half there. I'm not sure that I can remember a a stretch of games where Chris Milton, because it's not just the scoring, like we know that he can get points. Uh, but it's the all-round game that he's playing defensively. I think he's been pretty good. He just looks really locked in, and he looks in control. And when you look at his per 36 numbers since he returned to the starting lineup, so this is the last seven games, uh, he's averaging 27.8 points, 7.7 rebounds, 5.8 assists, uh, just 2.3 turnovers, and he's doing this with 55-51-92 shooting splits. He is, just, he is playing at an extremely high level uh, at the moment. And uh, I've mentioned this before. We know that he played right through. Uh, first of all, the Bucks had a longer playoff run than they've had. And so Chris's season last year went longer than he's ever had to deal with before. Then he really only had a month or so off. Then he obviously was out in Australia and then went to China with the World Cup, played right through there. Uh, he's had this injury and he just looks like a different player since he's come back. And I wonder whether this little two-week... Uh, I don't want to say rest because he was clearly injured, but this little two-week break that he got from playing games seems to have done wonders for him. He looks great. Yeah, I mean, the you know whether it was coming off the bench, down back in the starting five. Um, yeah, he he just looks at ease and in control, and you know he's at fifty percent even from the field, forty-one percent from three, eighty-nine point five percent from the line. Alas. <sighs> free throw miss on uh, Saturday night is keeping him out of a 50, 40, 90 uh, club for the, for the very moment. But obviously, you know, being anywhere in that ballpark is, is pretty remarkable. I mean, you know, his career numbers, 45% from the field, 39% from three. Uh, so his two point percentage this year, 55%, that's almost 7% higher than a year ago. That'd be easily a career high. Um, you know, he's just been remarkably effective uh inside the arc and then obviously you know his three-point shooting has not been certainly out of you know the the realm of what we're used to seeing uh it's been a few years since he was up above 40 percent he was at 43.3 percent in the the shortened season where he came back from the injury um but the three years prior you know 39.6 40.7 41.4 so we've seen chris in this range but last year 38 percent the year before that 36 percent and so you know, again, can he stay above 41% for a full season? That's hard, you know, especially given that he does take a lot of them. Um, but I'd say certainly the two-point percentage is, is probably the most interesting stuff just because it's not like he's getting to the, you know, to the rim more. He's, he's actually, his, his at-rim percentage is actually slightly lower than last year. Um, 
but his effectiveness there has been terrific. I mean, he's 74% at the rim this year. He's 40% in the kind of paint, you know, the, the short, uh, uh, paint area, three to 10 feet, 58% on 10 to 16 foot shots. Um, which again, he's career 49%. So he's always been really good in that range. And then he's 45% on long twos, historically 43%. So nothing crazy out of whack beside the, um, the 10 to 16 foot shot. And I think it's interesting. I mean, that, that, that paint finishing, um, you know, again, everybody on the bucks is I mean, they're two, the bucks two point percentages here would be an NBA record. Uh, I think Rob Peterson our um, longtime friend of mine from, uh, the sports media world, Rob tweeted something out. I think the last year and this year's box are the top two, two point percentage years in NBA history. Um, and you know, again, a lot of that's Giannis fueled, uh, but Chris this year also getting the act. I mean, obviously 74% at the rim is, is t- terrific. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, bucks this year, 58% on twos, their record last year, which is the all time NBA record, 56.5, uh, previous to that, oh, 17, 18 Warriors at 56%. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Chris, it seems like he's been getting to the rim. It seems like he's been getting a, a more easy rim shots. Like there's just, I don't know. It seems like at times, like it just seems like he's, um, I don't know. Physically, he seems like he's in good shape. We've obviously seen previous years where he's hasn't always come in the best shape to start seasons. You mentioned the FIBA stuff. Uh, you know, we kind of speculate at the time, maybe that would be positive and that it would force him to get into a little bit better game shape right away. Um, and obviously had a pretty decent start to the year and then a couple bobbles and he gets injured. Uh, and since coming out from injury, obviously has, has looked really good. So, I mean, it'd, it'd be really curious. I was talking to some people today about whether he, you know, where he sort of fits into the all-star conversation. And I think just based on numbers and the fact that the bucks are running away with the, the top of the East right now, I think kind of have to throw him in there somewhere with a spot. Um, the you know seven games missed obviously is, is hopefully he stays healthy. And by the time the all-star break rolls around, that's not as important. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, credit to Chris Middleton, you know, we guy gets a ton of money. You never know what might happen. He's obviously, you know, not a guy who's, who's super young, just turned 28. Um, so for him to be playing at this level and playing with, you know, sort of the confidence that he's been playing, uh, it's obviously critical because, I mean, I don't think he's going to necessarily have it this easy if he's playing against, you know, Kawhi and Paul George in the NBA Finals. But, um, you know, again, there's there's no downside to, to Chris Middleton looking really, really good and playing um, certainly the best basketball of his career right now. Yeah, it's interesting, Just, I mean, you you touched on the stuff uh, getting to the basket. And I think that, yeah, that's certainly been noticeable. I, I think the shot profile in in general has been sort of interesting to look at uh last year we know that he was he was told to to shoot a lot more threes and um i'm not sure if like certainly right out the gate last season i'm not sure how comfortable he was with that uh clearly he'd been in a a different system uh with the bucks for for the previous four or five seasons that wasn't necessarily what he was encouraged to do but last year 6.2 three-point attempts per game that's down to 5.2 uh, this year, so he's taken one less. Now, obviously, the minutes play a factor in that. Uh, you know, we know that. But also, his mid-range shots have gone from 3.2 a game up to 3.8. And it certainly does feel that he's he's got more of a license to shoot those. And I do wonder, you know, the interesting thing about this Bucks team that so often is forgotten by, uh, not necessarily us, but but people outside of, um, uh, you know, in the media that, that watch the Bucks is that last year was the first year with Bud. And he he stressed all season that, I'm trying to instill these principles defensively. I'm trying to fit this system. This is what I'm trying to do. We're in year two now, and it does seem to me like things have loosened a little bit for Chris Milton and Bud's yeah. like, all right, you know what we're trying to do. We've we've changed, and they have. Like They've changed the way he plays offensively. He's still shooting more threes than he was uh, previously, uh, but now it seems like Bud is more relaxed in saying, okay, Chris, we know that you're, you're a really uh, efficient scorer in the mid-range, one of the best in the game. He's shooting 49 uh, percent from the mid-range so far this year and it looks like he he does he does he seems more comfortable in this system and buds now one year in letting him uh take the reins a little bit more yeah i think i mean i remember the conversation with eric a year ago i mean the two guys who ironically seem to have the hardest time getting sort of adjusted to buds offense were chris middleton and obviously you know there was the december benching in in new yep. york which i think was more was more defense than than offense but i think his frustrations on offense maybe a bit and feeling like he didn't have, wasn't supposed to be playing in the spots that he liked to get comfortable from. 
Um, I think that probably played, played into it maybe a little bit. But uh, and Giannis was the other guy. Giannis didn't always kind of know where guys were, especially on like you know just trying to get a sense of the spacing around him. So you know here we are a year on, and and obviously Giannis wins the MVP last year. So we don't often think about like oh yeah he was kind of eh, still trying to figure out you know this offense uh, a year ago that kind of gets washed away in in the MVP and and how just generally brilliant he was last year. But you know now. I mean, again, I think this is, yeah, it was interesting. I've, I've talked to people who, you know, one, some people who I respect a lot, they're, they're, you know, certainly are, have been closer to the game than I have. And, you know, one of them, I remember him last year saying, yeah, I kind of worry a little bit, you know, Bucks kind of sneak up on people a little bit. And from a regular season perspective, does that uh, inflate the success they had in the regular season last year? And kind of what, kind of, what do you, what do you do for an encore? And, for the Bucks, you know, I think it was again. There was this tension coming to this year of, okay, year two, a lot of continuity other than Brogdon leaving. A couple, you know, that's kind of get plugged in. Obviously, Wes and you know Corver or whatever. Um, so, does the comfort level, the experience factor, and being in the offense, knowing kind of how this is going to go, how does that compensate for? Now there's a target on your back. Everybody knows what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, the novelty is is maybe gone, and and you're not sort of the up and coming team that teams haven't maybe like fully scouted out or whatever, right? Um, and obviously, you know, still a lot of season left. We're about about a third of the way through the season, so I mean, time flies. But um, <laughs> time flies when you win every game. Um, but. Uh, obviously we know which way this has swung so far. And, and again, you know, usual disclaimers, there's no guarantees that this means, uh, you know, that they're the favorites for the NBA title even, but I think they are doing everything you could have asked uh, as far as, you know, validating that they are a bona fide contender to win this, win a title. And, you know, again, if you view the regular season as, you know, you can only sort of show so much before you just got to do it in the playoffs. I mean, you know, we're only a third of the way through the season. And, and obviously I think the Bucks are showing that they're, they're just, you know, base level competency is just crazy high. Right. I mean, they just night in and night out, just beat the crap out of, you know, pretty much everyone. And obviously now we'll see them get tested by some better teams. Unfortunately, no Luka Doncic on Monday, that would have been a great test. Um, and, but then the Lakers obviously on, on Thursday is the one that, you know, most people are looking at, but I think, the Mavs would have been a really good test as well, just because of, of Luca and just how singular his skill set is and, and what he would have meant to, you know, defensively trying to stop him. Okay. So we've pivoted to the, to the injuries a little bit here. So we, we can now, uh, because like you mentioned, obviously Doncic is going to be out. He only lasted, it was only, it was within the first two or three minutes in that game uh, against Miami. And I want to get to Dallas a little bit because, uh, they are ranked number one for offensive efficiency in the league so far, and they still put up 118 points. Now that game did go to overtime, but the offense uh, still ticked along. And and I want to get to a few of the players that we're going to see for Dallas play in the absence of Doncic. But for the Bucks, it's kind of you know while we talk about the streak and we talk the, the 20 24 and three and how well they're playing, they obviously missed Chris Middleton for seven games, and now uh, it's going to be a similar stretch for Bledsoe. I mean, the, the, with the right fibular avulsion fracture the, the, that's that's the diagnosis for for Bledsoe and like Middleton kind of a strange incident how it happened Wes Matthews ends up uh well his knee just crashes into to Bledsoe's shin and while Bledsoe joked after the game that uh he wouldn't miss some time uh I guess the scan revealed that he had a little bit more damage than he first thought so without Doncic and Bledsoe they, that sort of nullifies that one. But what about what are the Bucks going to be looking at over the next two weeks? I, I sort of uh, wrote just a really rapid reaction to to the news after the game uh, last night. And it, it's interesting because when you look at, obviously, the Mavs, I mean, if they have Doncic, that changes. But without him, you're like, okay, fine. That takes away the, the a huge matchup uh, for him. And then even the Lakers game, uh, the focus of their offense isn't at the point guard play anyway. And Bledsoe uh, probably would have found himself guarding uh, maybe a KCP or obviously Caruso and, and Rondo as well. I mean, it's it's in terms of point guard matchups, it's it's not the absolute most critical game to lose a guy like Bledsoe. We expect that Divincenzo is going to come in and start. He did for Middleton. He did also uh, in the game against Cleveland. But uh, I will say that I saw uh, a quite a few or a, a large part of the reaction on social media was 
uh, people sort of saying, ah, it's only Bledsoe, it's fine. We'll, we'll, we'll plug in DiVincenzo. It's, uh, it's no big deal. I do think this comes back to the Bledsoe uh, sort of unease about him as a player in general that it's gone to the point where people think that, ah, it's no loss, it's only Bledsoe, it's fine. He is a really important player. I think we've, we've gone too far if we think that this isn't a loss at all for the Bucks. But I think the schedule and, and like I said, the injury to Doncic probably leads this to be not as big a loss as it could be if, for instance, you're playing Houston tomorrow night. Yeah, I think we talked about this maybe a week or two ago um, before this injury, obviously, that a year ago you looked at the Bucks' road to a potential title and it was littered with teams that had point guards you would need yeah. to defend, right? Um, you know, you look out west, obviously the final in the west was between you know, Steph Curry's uh, Warriors and the Lillard-McCollum combination in Portland. Uh, I think everyone would say the, the Rockets with Harden and Paul were a better team than Portland, obviously, but they had to play the, the Warriors around earlier. Um, so all those, guys, all those teams would have been essential to have Eric Bledsoe to defend against. In the East, obviously, you ended up, you know, I mean, Bledsoe wasn't able to slow down, you know, Lowry or, uh, or Fred Van Vliet. You know, again, I don't know if I really hold bled so defensively accountable for that it just kind of happened those guys made shots um but obviously point guard defense was was important against the raptors uh you know blood so was obviously part of the group that uh you know pretty much locked down Kyrie irving and again a lot of good lot going on with Kyrie irving last year mm-hmm. um but you know for the most part i mean the sixers were kind of the only team that you looked at um in the east or west it felt like that kind of didn't have somebody that it was important to have an Eric Bledsoe against. And this year, very different. Um, you know, obviously we mentioned the Lakers, uh, the Clippers as well. I think we talked about them, you know, are you going to have, you know, Bledsoe defend Pat Beverly and just sort of hang out, you know, or would you have him when Landry Shaman is back? Does Bledsoe guard Landry Shaman? I don't, I don't know. Um, you know, so much of the kind of playmaking and, um, focal points of these offenses now Philly still obviously is around they don't really have a true point guard or a typical point guard with Simmons being the primary ball handler and the Lakers and uh, Clippers as well um, not being teams that are very point guard centric so um, I think it's it is interesting because a year ago Bledsoe plays 78 games Middleton plays 77 games Brooke Lopez plays 81 games we really didn't ever see the Bucks have to play without any of their key guys uh, unless it was just by choice resting them in kind of these, you know, kind of easier against easier teams. So I think it's, I think it's going to be really interesting just to get a preview of okay, what is, what is, what do the Bucks look like without Eric Bledsoe playing at all? Mm-hmm. Which obviously might be relevant for the Bucks making decisions as the trade deadline approaches. It might be relevant, obviously, if you get to you know crunch time in playoff games if Bledsoe is playing poorly. Uh, you know, are you playing George Hill at point guard down the stretch? Um, are you throwing Dante DiVincenzo into the mix? Uh, I think all those are, are very interesting things. And, you know, I think that's the positive spin. I mean, obviously, you don't want anybody, any of these guys getting hurt. Um, I don't think the Bucks are better missing Eric Bledsoe. Um, but I think in terms of being instructive and being, you know, kind of getting to kick the tires a little bit on, on what the Bucks look like in this situation, I think it actually could be helpful because. Again, the Bucks haven't really had to do this uh, due to, you know, being forced to do it. So uh, I think, yeah, you're going to miss Bledsoe. You know, you're going to miss the fact that he and, and along with Giannis, obviously, were like the two guys who really consistently drive to the basket and create sort of chaos with their attacking. So now you, you know, you're really losing, you know, you really just have Giannis, which, again, it's probably enough on the vast majority of nights. Uh, but it, it does make the Bucks even more just Giannis in a, cloud of three-point dust right i mean this 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 team becomes even more extreme without blood so uh in that spot so i think we got a, a decent preview of it on saturday you know that was sort of maybe the training wheels game where dante starts and chris and Giannis are the ones doing the, the most of the sort of typical initiating with the starting group um you know dante dimensions not dribbling the ball up the court and you know calling for a high pick and roll uh and again the bucks you know, the Bucks typically start most possessions with sort of that side-to-side action. Um, so it's not like that's what they normally do, even with Bledsoe. But 
so I think they are especially well suited towards adapting to playing sort of this more point guardless offense, uh, especially with you know Giannis and to a lesser extent Chris. But um, it's it will be a test. I think you know again Dante playing at a, a pretty high level, especially defensively, offensively. You know a little bit of inconsistency. Um, feels like he shot the ball well from three, but I think he's only at thirty five percent right now. Um, yeah. So it, it definitely will put him kind of center stage. And obviously uh, George Hill is probably going to, you know, be leaned on more and more, especially if you get, if you do actually end up trailing in the last five minutes of a game, heaven forbid, um, probably George <laughs> Hill, I, I imagine is going to be leaned on heavily for, for those late minute point guard duties. Yeah. I, I had a solo pod on Friday and one of the questions that, that uh, someone asked that I, I got to was what would your lineup be if you're down five uh, against the Lakers with a, a few minutes left? And I was like, okay, well, let's think through this. It's, it's not just about offense. You need to get stops. So uh, I stuck, I kept Brooke Lopez out there. I mean, we've seen the Bucks go small before, but I think uh, defensively with LeBron and AD, you want Lopez out there. So I, I had Giannis, Chris and Lopez. And then at the guard positions, I was like, man, this is really tough. I mean, we've seen Bud go with George Hill. Uh, and this is assuming that Bledsoe is healthy, by the way. So I, I said George Hill, and I was like, you know what? I'm kind of conflicted between uh, Wes Matthews and uh, Dante because, you know, with George Hill out there, I have a little bit more faith in his ability to space the floor and shoot the three than I would Eric Bledsoe. And then defensively, Dante is just, he's just chaotic. And uh, mm. I, I, so that I, I probably would lean towards Dante, honestly, with George Hill in, in the backcourt. But while we are talking about defense i did mention that dallas were because uh, I, I keep on getting distracted i want to talk about the lakers game before uh forgetting that they do actually have a game against the mavericks today but uh number one offense in the league as i mentioned the mavericks and and it's going to be interesting tomorrow because without Doncic, obviously you lose a lot of size and the, and the playmaking ability the three-point shooting so at the point guard they're going to be pretty small i mean they're probably going to be going with a rotation of seth curry uh Jalen Brunson and, and also our old friend uh, JJ Barea, who has uh, killed the Bucks over, over the years multiple times, and yeah. he hasn't actually been playing at all. So I find it very convenient that JJ Barea is going to be back in the rotation against the Bucks. But uh, with that lineup that they they went with, uh, with Dante coming in, and then as you sort of mentioned, Milton and Giannis defending, <laughs> they've got a chance to really suffocate this Mavericks offense. That. Yeah, it's ranked number one because of Doncic. But as we saw yesterday against Miami, Tim Hardaway Jr. is playing all of a sudden at a really high level. He's turned into a, a sniper from three. He hit another six threes against Miami. I think the size of the Bucks is going to cause them a lot of problems. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, probably the the, the you know the one advantage the Mavericks have is just that, I mean, you're playing against a group that you you, you haven't scouted for necessarily, right? I mean, mm-hmm. all the all the tape that you're and again, not that the Bucks have been sitting around watching Doncic film for the last week or something, but um, you know, certainly your advanced preparation for the for the Mavericks normally would be very Doncic centric, and obviously it's going to be a bit different uh, here without him. So, you know, again, net net, obviously this is you worry less about uh, the uh, the Mavericks without Doncic. Um, you know, Porzingis this really thrusts Porzingis into the spotlight in a way yeah. that you know he's been very clearly you know the the robin to to lucas batman here so far and i think it's always an interesting matchup between him and Giannis. they defend each other a lot uh especially while uh while uh porzingis obviously was was with the knicks you know he tears his acl actually on a play that you know Giannis was defending him so their fate has been sort of uh you know intertwined for for a while but uh, you know, he's a guy who, for all of his shooting, I think, I think we've talked about this, you know, it's, he's so interesting because he's basically sort of the, you know, the, the, they're kind of the alpha and omega Giannis, you know, the in, mm-hmm. incredible rim finisher who can't shoot up until lately. Porzing is the guy who can shoot, but because of that almost uses it as a crutch and, and doesn't attack the basket the way you want. Uh, so I think it'll be interesting with Doncic out, you know, this is a, an opportunity for Porzing is to more forcibly take control. But, you know, if that means, shooting a lot of turnaround jumpers from the post. Um, that's, that's not really necessarily, obviously, the, the way that you want to construct an ideal offense either. So, um, you know, they still have certainly offensive talent. You don't score the way I have without that. But I think, uh, again, if the Bucks can slow them down a, a little bit, then obviously the question is, you know, just defensively, um, you know, can, can they keep up with the Bucks if uh, the Bucks are playing 
their offense the way they the way they want them to and certainly um you know we saw last year uh the Mavericks have an outlier shooting night in Dallas and the Bucks were never that bothered I forget how many threes the, the Mavericks hit in that game I think they hit over 20 yeah I have a 20 and, yeah you know you kind of wonder you know again the Bucks have become and this is important because they give up tons of threes um they have to be able to you know weather those types of three-point shooting storms and I mean we saw in Memphis Memphis hits 20 out of 49 threes over 40 percent 20 is a huge number led by Jaron Jackson uh and the Bucks despite you know essentially losing the three-point battle by nine so 27 points uh you know, they still win by, by double digits, maybe not comfortably because there was some drama going into the fourth quarter, but uh, yeah, I mean, this Bucks team, obviously they, they can beat you many different ways and um, it, it should be, uh, you know, again, not, not the, not the battle that you would have I think liked uh, from just a competitive standpoint necessarily. But again, I keep saying it. I mean, at some point you're going to lose. <laughs> uh, and we've always looked at that Laker game as, as the obvious game, that would be the hardest to win. Uh, but uh, you know, I mean, people might try to diminish, you know, the Bucks winning streak. Um, again, if, if this was easy, more teams would do it, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, but the Bucks have just been an absolute buzzsaw, especially against bad teams as have the Lakers. And, you know, again, the way that they are dominating these games, uh, again, there's, there's not a lot of luck involved with the way they're winning. Um, you know, at some point they will lose at some point. You know, I think what they're 17 and 0 against sub 500 teams. Um, the Mavericks aren't that, although without Doncic on the road, you know they're probably like a sub 500 team. Um, and again, maybe I'm I'm understating the uh, you know the pes- peskiness of JJ Perea again, but um, but again, the, this would be a classic trap game, obviously if there ever was one. But I've been crying wolf on that, so um, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that the, that the Bucks shouldn't be expected to win. Yeah, I mean, again, we, we speak about outlier shooting nights might be their downfall. And, I mean, that's in play here. I mean, when I look at the box score from this Dallas-Miami game, uh, again, without Doncic, Tim Hardaway Jr. and Porzingis uh, get up 43 shots between them, uh, 23 from uh, the perimeter. And, you know, you touched on it, but when you think about Porzingis, you don't think a physical, you know, for a guy that's seven foot three, I mean, he's, he's kind of, he's kind of soft. Like that's, that's what he is. I mean, I, I'm not going to uh, try and deny that, but he's also, you pointed to the play where he did dunk and it was an incredible play and he tears his ACL and he's only just coming back. So I think, um, you know, some of the criticism has been a little bit harsh on him, but he's going to spend time out in the perimeter. And I think the Bucks they're going to live with that. And they're going to live with Tim Hardaway Jr. getting up 14 threes as he did uh, against Miami. So I don't think they're a team that's going to beat uh, the Bucks inside. But if they get hot, we've seen this. Jaron Jackson Jr., Memphis went up by 10 points. The streak was in doubt. And the other thing is, even if they want to say that they're focused on this game without Doncic, there's just no way that you can't be thinking about this game against the Lakers. And you just hope that the Bucks take care of their... Uh, business and keep that streak going to 19 and get a chance to tie the franchise record against the Lakers on Thursday night. But speaking of, uh, before we wrap this up, speaking of uh, clinching, I didn't even think I mentioned clinching, so I don't know what I can say about sp- speaking of clinching, but the Packers, uh, your Packers today, uh, got the job done. They got in the playoffs. So I did not watch, uh, t- and by the way, we probably should always do this rather than we always seem to lead with the random sports stuff. I know, that that's nobody, what, nobody I, probably cares about. So we probably should close <laughs> with these so people can just be like, all right, thanks. Thanks, Ken and Frank. Enjoyed the Bucks talk later. Uh, I, I will say this. So I did not watch today's game. Um, I, I, it wasn't on TV here in Texas. I This year I decided not to get an NFL uh, Sunday ticket uh, because – It's expensive, isn't it? It's expensive. Yeah, and I just – last year, I don't know, I just like – there's so many Packer games that are on national TV anyway. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, eh, I don't know if I can't trust the Packers enough to do this. And um, I have to say, I mean, the, the Packers are in the running for the number one seed, I think. I mean, I think they they actually have a chance at that nominally. Um, they definitely have a good chance at a top two seed. And I just, I, I just can't picture them actually, yeah. like, actually winning a Super Bowl or beating the, the 49ers or, or, uh, or Saints. I just – something about them. I just don't trust them. Like they just have, you know, they have, they get out to a a lead in like the second or third quarter and then they just stutter and stumble their way through the rest of the game. And 
you know, happened against today against the Bears, kind of just barely hanging on by, you know, literally a few yards um, to, you know, a, a t- Bears team that obviously has been super frustrating. So I don't know. I, it's disappointing. First half of this season, I would have said, I still felt like Rodgers, you know, if you get put enough stuff around him, you know, he, he has a great chance to, you know, carry you to a Super Bowl. But I don't know, man. I, the, I, I, the last, like, month or so, you know, five to six weeks, let's say, Aaron Rodgers just, I don't know. It's just, yeah, I, I feel like he still has the arm and physical ability, but just, I don't know. It's just weird. You don't expect a guy to kind of make some of them. And again, he never throws interceptions still, but um, I just don't feel like he's, he's good enough anymore, which is crazy. It feels like blasphemy to say, because um, again, I'm, I'm spoiled. I've only really had Brett Favre and, and Rodgers as my quarterbacks during my life as a Packer fan of you know 27 years. So I don't know, maybe I'm just being, um, you know, woe is me or, or too overly negative, but uh, I'm, I'm still, I don't think I've, I don't think the Packers have ever been, had this good of a record. And for me to feel as just, not confident in what they can do in the playoffs so it's it's a weird feeling yeah and before i say anything i've said this before but again i just want to make it clear before anyone corrects me on anything i say like i'm i'm not i'm not an nfl expert so anything i say can qualify as a hot take so i i just want to i want to throw that out there but if i was aaron Rodgers, because i i watch all these uh you know analysis clips and there was a few last week that oh aaron Rodgers did this whatever like if you were him why would you trust like there's those receivers? Like he, he clearly like doesn't trust. I mean, Devontae Adams, sure, but he doesn't trust the other guys. They can't catch. And I think that's half the problem. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't want to throw it to those guys. I'm calling it. They need to, they need to get Aaron Jones the ball more and make him a receiver more because he's, he's just about become their most important player. I would, I'm not going to rule out Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think you can, I don't think you can rule them out. I think, I mean, the defense is actually bounced back a bit of late they started off well and they were like super porous and now they've kind of come back a little bit and by the way um if you care about the packers you should definitely listen to locked on packers um for over, better analysis <laughs> yeah than not but that's why i'm just you know indulging myself here Is talking it? about yeah, it now yeah. but uh, i do think there was some talk today about how the packers basically didn't target running backs at all um in this game which you know oh, there you go see the, yeah the bears game. i mean that was basically back to kind of what you're saying that um you know, and obviously there's a lot of, you know, it, it, you can't just say like, oh, well, when Aaron Jones gets this many touches, they're good. And when he doesn't, they're bad. I mean, with running backs, that's obviously kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy type thing. Like, yeah, when you're winning and you get to run the ball a lot and your running backs are good, then you win. Like, that's how it tends to go. You can't just force it. Um, but I think from a passing perspective, obviously, he's had some really impactful games as a receiver. And, um, you know, Jamal Williams can do that, too. So for them to... Uh, you know, not really involved those guys. Uh, and again, I, I didn't see the game, so I'm not going to act here. Like, uh, like I have some super great insight into, into it or whatever, but, uh, but yeah, so it's, I don't know. Um, let's just say this. I am, uh, I'm not expecting that the Packers will, uh, you know, become my, my hope of winning a championship over the Bucks this year. I, I foresee that I'm going to need to keep my ride hitched to the, to the Bucks to see a Wisconsin championship this season. And, I don't know what's going to happen to the Brewers. Uh, they don't ever seem to want to spend money on anything, which again, maybe a little, a little uh, uninformed take, but um, I'm not convinced on the Brewers either. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll stick with my 24 and three bucks. Yeah. It seems like a smart move, but I will say that uh, at, at this point and, and uh, like I said, I'm not a Packers fan, but my Texans had a huge win over the Titans today. They're just about clinched the playoffs. So that the hopes of the green Bay, Houston Super Bowl is still alive, but uh, I think you're right. Maybe maybe we should stick to the Bucks more when they're when they're 24 and three. But uh, they do have Dallas tonight, as I mentioned. No Luka Doncic, no Eric Bledsoe, but the Bucks will be looking for their 19th win in a row. Hopefully, they're not looking ahead to the Lakers game as much as we did uh, during this podcast. But we will be back after that game. For Frank Madden and myself, Kane Pittman, we'll speak to you guys then. 